Hello, and welcome to Eldridge Extras. I'm Mike Mason, and this is... I'm Paul Fricker. How, How are you doing, doing today? Well, I'm very good, yes, yes. What's, I can uh, just see your shirt says bloody something. Oh, uh, I mean, that's enough, really. Well, that's could be anything. Really bloody hell can from the um, uh, uncanny yeah. BBC podcast. Uh, it's a uh, it's a phrase used in the very first episode uh, by the uh, the guy who has had a ghostly encounter, mm-hmm. and uh, the interviewer Danny uh, replies with bloody hell can. <laughs> and uh and there you go yes <laughs> well talking of uh strange encounters you you've been out to some haven't you you've been trying to uh experience some a convention recently well uh, it wasn't um you know come and meet a ghost convention it was yeah oh. uh, uh, which would have been interesting but uh no it was the um the asap um conference seriously strange con- conference uh, held in Bath, they do it every year over a couple of days at the university, and have various speakers talking about various paranormal things. Um, oh, I should probably say ASAP stands for. I was going to ask. Yeah, the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena, but nobody that's, that's no, nobody can ever remember that. It's just called ASAP. So. <laughs> <laughs> even ASAP is like I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, okay. It's, yeah, it's, it's so I mean the, it's akin to like the Society for Psychical Research, and right? A little bit like the Ghost Club. They're they're both obviously quite older institutions. You know, over over a hundred years. ASAP I think started in the early nineteen eighties, right? Um, but it's it's um, it is wide ranging. It's not just ghosts. It's it's um, you know there's cryptids and strange phenomena and esp and folklore and myth and all that kind of thing so it's a whole real grab bag of it all uh, which is what's interesting because you're not just focusing on one thing mm. um, and it is kind of meant to be kind of um uh, it's made up of you know there are clearly skeptics and there are clearly believers and and a lot of people in the middle i guess um so um it's you know the the talks are very interesting it's it's very much a kind of trying to understand you know different phenomena in a in a you know relatively scientific way um so you know there were talks on ghosts which were completely skeptical you know basically debunking any ghosts really uh in terms of you know common common things uh you know thought of as ghosts by people without really looking into it and you know, was it just a guy in a white coat saying they're not real? They're, they're not, not real. real. <laughs> you can all go home now. Well, I'm just um, going to shut the window just one second because it's noisy. Well, okay. Uh, well, I'll um, I'll carry on talking then to fill the air. <laughs> so um, there is, uh, as I say, quite a lot of different talks, and what's really cool is they're all about half an hour long, so you get a real mix mix of different talks and. Um, uh, I mean, one, for instance, uh, we had uh, Stephen Volk there, who uh, is the guy who wrote the famous Ghost Watch um, program for the BBC back in the day with Michael Parkinson. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yes. Quite infamous. Um, but he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about another program he he wrote, uh, which followed, which was called Afterlife. And that was on um, on the other channel in the, in the UK, ITV, uh, and was called Afterlife, uh, which... Um, starred um andrew lincoln who then went on you know to do the walking dead 
and that's he plays a skeptic in that and he basically has a um well a kind of relationship in terms of professional relationship with a with a uh, a psychic medium who he doesn't mm. believe but obviously it's a little bit i guess uh, in in a sense a, a little bit british exfilesy although not not monster of the week but mm. in terms of like, you've got a believer and a and a skeptic kind of interacting and 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 there's, and there's a bigger story kind of going on around them um, so when so was that, that was, then was that late 90s early 2000s i think it was kind of mid mid to early 90s the 1990s i think yeah um it's not a program i've actually actually i didn't even know anything about it till till Stephen kind of started talking about it but it, i mean he's a very engaging kind of chap and and uh and listening to him talking about writing it and what he was trying to do uh was you know really interesting so i'm now you know hunting down a a DVD of the series have a watch because it did sound did sound quite interesting but I mean we went from that which was you know a guy who's a writer writing about the paranormal to um somebody like Professor Chris French who talked about sleep paralysis um oh. and and you know talking about you know the kind of the history of it uh the causes of it um and and it was you know not anything really to do with paranormal other than you know it's got paranormal connotations that uh you know people kind of suffer from this kind of uh paralysis that that kind of their body's not moving but their brains awake and they're kind yeah. of semi-dreaming and and I, how I, that kind of you know comes across in myth and legend in different cultures you know because obviously it happens to anyone anywhere and so but it's interpreted somewhat differently in you know mm. historically um so that was really interesting too well, i can tell you the cause of it what's the cause the cause uh, and i think this is probably you know a general thing is watching paranormal activity and then sleeping in your spare room <laughs> i'd forgotten that yeah yeah it might on. just you, be you, me but you, best, you know um you know tell everyone what what happened then so you know to cut a long story short we watched paranormal activity and then i slept in your spare room <laughs> but but i don't know um i mean it's not a great film i don't i, I I don't really want to credit the film with 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 uh, triggering that episode in my life, but yeah, I was sleeping in your spare room, not at your present house, your your former house, and I remember I woke up in the morning. Well, I didn't wake up. That's the thing, and I could feel like I think because you get this feeling, and then I'm guessing your brain manifests some image to go with it some explanation to go with it because you're half dreaming so it felt like a weight on my chest like i couldn't move so it felt like someone was pinning me down or holding me down which is a very typical um uh yeah. experience i think with that with that phenomenon and it was just a feeling of terror because you couldn't do anything and you felt like someone was pinning you down and you couldn't do anything and then just i don't know i don't, I don't know if i really had images come to mind but just a feeling of malevolence and wanting to sort of cry out to make a sound and then eventually i kind of snapped out of it i mean it might have only been a few seconds but really i i think because of being locked in that state even just a, a short time and being totally powerless to do anything about it, there's a feeling of dread that it might happen again. And I think that's, that's, that's a, you know, and I've dreaded it. I mean, it's kind of that feeling's gone now, but I remember at the time just hoping that I didn't experience that again, just because it was, it was a very sort of frightening experience. Uh, 
um, albeit you know not a real well i suppose in a sense a real one but um yeah so was- i mean i i i you know likewise i've had it happen once but it was i was much younger i was kind of a teenager mm. uh, back you know when living with my parents and uh, again it was uh i think from the talk what i understand people either kind of tend to get it as they're falling asleep or as they're waking up you know either side of the sleep process for me it was i think um again i was waking up in the morning and mm. um again it was yeah pretty much exactly like yours i have uh but it, it definitely felt like a physical presence hovering over me and pressing down on my chest but it, but it but it was actually more than just a chest pressure it felt like somebody was kneeling on my chest but I, they were also strangling me because i could feel kind of my neck constricting mm. and uh I, I remember actually kind of having my mouth kind of half open and trying to shout mm. out for help and, and nothing was coming out which for me was the the really terrifying part because of the, that complete helplessness um that uh, that kind of came through and again it you know it lasted a few seconds and then then went but it definitely felt like a i didn't see uh, a face as such but it was a, like a dark kind of mm. phantom like thing kind of strangling me and uh, yeah terrifying really yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, do, was there anything interesting that was said in the talk about sleep paralysis? Then, I mean, nothing. No, I mean, how it manifests nothing, um, nothing particularly that comes to mind. I mean, it was more that kind of thing I've already said about the. He was talking about some of the different kind of um, cultural interpretations and historical interpretations. Obviously, it goes back to things like incubus and succubus as mm. well, and the kind of the in the Western kind of culture, uh, it tends to be personified like a the old hag kind of standing over you uh which isn't quite the same in, in some other cultures I, I forgot off the top of my head um some of the other um kind of um instances but uh but yeah no it was it was you know just a really interesting kind of you know um talk about the realities of it really in that sense of you know about you know trying to you know good conditions for trying to avoid having you know having that kind right because um Things like uh, it tends to affect um, in surveys uh, students uh, and people who, who are kind of in quite stressful periods of their life. Right. Uh, so I guess their mind, you know, it's kind of co- you know, as their body's falling asleep, their mind's still going because they're stressed, which might trigger that kind of thing, I guess, to some degree. So things like that were kind of interesting about you know trying not to be stressed before going to bed and. And, and all that kind of stuff, you know, which you know, kind of makes sense anyway. But um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. The um, um, the other the other kind of talks that interested me particularly were things like uh, there was um, uh, a guy called Cal Cooper who's uh, I think it's I think it's Northampton University where he works, and uh, he's got grant funding to kind of do a study on uh, flotation tanks and. ESP. So while you're lying in a sensory deprivation tank, um, are are you able to, you know, kind of pick up the thoughts of somebody as somebody's kind of sending thoughts, as in a, uh, you know, like remote viewing to an extent. You know, his his his. I'm thinking of a big red cat. Yeah. You know, can can the person in the tank? Do they are they getting any images of red cats and things like that? So uh, I think that's only really just started, and uh, but he was talking about you know flotation tanks in general and how expensive they are, and how long it's taken mm. to get one, and the fact he was talking about the um, 
the mobile one they purchased, which is kind of like a big tent that you kind of put up like a frame tent and then fill oh. with water. And so that Did was all have- kind of interesting kind of thing. I've never done a never done a um flotation tank. It was kind of was interested ever since I watched Altered States, the film. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have you have you ever done one? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of guessed you had, but you know. Yeah. Um <laughs> I did one in a in a in a lighthouse in Wales. <laughs> it wasn't the bath. It wasn't just having a bath. No, no. <laughs> uh, it was this uh, air. It, well, it wasn't. I guess it was poor. I was going to say Airbnb because you can't say B&B without saying Airbnb now. But it was just a and b because it was before Airbnb. And uh, yeah, it must have been before we had kids because uh, yeah, me and Lucy went on a holiday to to South Wales. And I remember we went to the island of Barry, so it was around there somewhere. And uh, there was a Lucy had booked us into, I think, just maybe one night in this sort of disused, well, not disused, but like old lighthouse that wasn't a lighthouse anymore. Um, and it was a very hippie place. Uh, it's and, and yeah, and anyway, so it had the the flotation tank, and. So if anybody doesn't know, yeah, it's basically you get in and you're floating in body temperature water that is filled with, I think, Epsom salts, like Epsom salts, th- enough yeah. salts to sort of make you float like you would on, I think, is it, is it the Dead Sea? I yeah, think. I think so, yeah. So it's, it basically makes you float. It makes you, you know, your, your natural buoyancy just makes you float uh, very easily on top of the water. And then there's some soft music playing. You get in. um, and you just float in the water on the surface and then the lights dim and the music stops and you're in total darkness total darkness which again we rarely experience generally i think and and time and you you have no sense of time only your internal clock perhaps and you know you just lay there and nothing is happening and it's totally silent totally dark totally peaceful and and then i guess after an hour i think it was the music starts playing again the lights come up and and you get out and i thought well you know that hasn't really done a lot it was kind of it was okay you weren't you weren't seeing things and colors and visions and or hearing strange sounds or I'm sad to say no. Really. Sure. I, I suppose the big change was when you got out and realised you had actually kind of entered into an alternate dimension. And everything. it was, everything was nearly the same, but not quite. Yeah, there was like <laughs> zombies running around outside and uh, the yeah, sky you turned green. You went back in to kind of get, go back again, I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, but the next day I was driving and I just suddenly, it sort of dawned on me how relaxed I felt. Right. Um, because i don't know you know when you're driving around and you know not that i suffer from like dreadful road rage but we all do it a bit right you know know, that bastard cut me up and stuff but no it's just like i just i just felt more relaxed inside we were at one one. world i was at one yeah so so you i mean it sounds like you had a even though you didn't see any mystical visions but you you sounded like it was a positive experience have you um i think it was a, a deeply relaxing i think it yeah, obviously had an effect on my nervous system or however best to express that which was very calming and relaxing and that I, I could feel that the next day i mean whether it was beyond that or not i don't know but i could you know really feel the at one point was aware of the difference oh that sounds interesting but you've never kind of thought 
subsequently to kind of like, well, I, I want to do it again, or I, I want to try and recapture that. Or I mean, there was a place in or... there was a place in Oxford, um, and I went and did it again um, on Cowley Road, of course, which oh, is yes. the place on on in Oxford. Um, I didn't really feel a great effect from it. It's you know, it's not a cheap thing to do, right. um, and so I, I I haven't felt the pull to do it again. I guess. You know, if I was having, I don't know, if I was able to see visions and uh, see the future and see the lottery numbers, then yeah, I'd be there every week. But marvelous, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just because I've never done it, and I, you know, obviously, uh, I want to uh, metamorphize into some, you know, evolutionary step backwards, just as in altered states, because obviously that <laughs> that would be interesting. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I think, I think the whole kind of just de-stressing would be a as you say, a, a benefit in, in and of itself, let alone, you know, getting visions of red cats or other worlds. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think in that aspect is a bit like meditation or, you know, any other yeah. um, effective process that, that works for you that, that has that kind of relaxing effect. Sure. The, the, um, the other two speakers I, I thought I'd mention very briefly, we're both kind of talking about similar subjects and they were both really talking about folklore uh, there was uh, Dr. Delif Bader who talked about um, early kind of accounts of Welsh hauntings and Welsh folklore. And she's been doing a load of research in terms of uh, in terms of that sort of stuff. And uh, and it's, it's really interesting uh, as we were describing some some really interesting links. I was picking up on um, connections to Arthur Macken um, because she was talking about um, pyramids in Wales and things like that, which. You know, Macken describes in in um, at least one of his stories. Uh, so there were some interesting little links there that I thought were, were you know worth looking into. And there's uh, Bethan Briggs Miller who did a um, talking about folklore uh, in terms of the kind of supernatural landscape and how you know that kind of uh, the landscape affects folklore and, and tales mm. coming out for that. So and they, I, and both the talks kind of had just lots and lots of little little snippets and stories of you know strange things happening in in history and, and written in the uh folkloric record so that was that was just kind of interesting kind of kind of talks you need to have your notebook and scribble yeah, a few notes to go I'll and bet. look look things up later so i have got a notebook full of full of various little notes i made is, during the thing but uh yeah is it psychogeography is that the term oh i, oh, I got that wrong yeah i mean well that wasn't mentioned but Did yeah I just make that up i don't know but but yeah, it kind of so, also connects the kind of like the whole kind of sense of the folklore revival, folk horror hmm. folklore revival with the kind of hauntology and the landscape and the kind of the. But I, I can't let you get away with was and all that with, kind of stuff going on with, yeah. with, with you. Something you mentioned, I didn't like jump in on that. I wanted to pyramids in Wales, Welsh pyramids. Are there well, Welsh pyramids? Well, if I'm trying, I, I was thinking you would remember the, the Arthur Macken story. I'm you were trying, hoping I would remember. I haven't read that it's, much Macken. I've read a, a few, but if, I don't think it's the, the novel. I think it, is it that's. Mm, I'm, 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 I'm getting my name. I, I just keep thinking of the white people. You know, the, yeah. the famous one, but I don't think it's that one. It's the one where um, it, I don't think it's a physical pyramid, but it man. I think it's like a manifestation that occurs and and the kind of the fairies or spirits or the things from the you know the the earth kind of are dancing around and there's some right. sort of sacrifice going on i can't remember uh, the are there actual that... physical 
I know, don't, I pyramids don't, in some way. I, I'm, I'm, I don't Not sure. think so. The reason I'm getting it confused is because we have a Call of Cthulhu campaign that is inspired <laughs> by Arthur Mackin. It's not been released right. yet, but, but part one of the chapters does concern a lot of these things. And in that case, I think it is a a real kind of you know small but buried right. pyramid. Or, or, or I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. I feel we're going to have to have yeah. the dreams reality talk. And and games in the middle, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. so that's why it kind of uh, rang a bell with me. But uh, so that, yeah, they they were very interesting. So it's, yeah, it's a good two days. It's pretty, pretty busy. And there's a, they have like a dinner on the Saturday night and disco and, and create, and and there's uh, some wine consumed and so forth. So, uh, it's uh, it's quite a social event, you know. So uh, it's it's good fun. So and did you say that there was a psychomantium there? Oh, there was. Yes. Yeah. So um, the current president of ASAP is C.J. Roma, who some of you may know, who's also a gamer and has written you know various mm. things uh, for role playing games. But he's actually also a parapsychologist and president of ASAP. And so C.J.'s got what I guess like a portable psychomantium, um, which basically is a device for creating ghosts um so um it's basically uh, you can do it at home if you want uh, you just need a completely dark space no no light and uh, you you basically sit in front of a mirror and put a candle behind you so that's the only illumination um and then you stare in the mirror um CJ I could do this in my bathroom because yeah, I've I mean, got see, in the basement we got a bathroom and there's no windows. Yeah, well, so I can shut the door to make sure there's no light coming in. Yeah, that, mirror, candle behind me. Candle behind what you. Else? I mean, CJ has people have headphones on and he plays uh, this. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but binaural sounds. You know, the kind of beeps and clicks that kind of open up your mental state. In theory, uh, he sort of does that as well. Would uh, Tangerine but, Dream work? Well, I, I maybe I, okay. I don't know. I mean, I, I I think you can do it without that, but I think that kind of okay. helps. I think, but um, and the idea being is, you know, for you know half an hour to an hour, normally an hour or so, you would stare at the mirror, and 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 uh, the idea being, you, you know, you kind of almost fool yourself. Uh, obviously, there's some common things that tend to happen. Is you know if you you know, you, you don't need to do this, but you can just stare at a mirror for a long time and your face will begin to distort. Right. Yes. Uh, which is quite unnerving the first time you see it. But, mm. but so that kind of happens, but it's, it, you kind of keep going. And beyond that, uh, people kind of uh, report kind of um, strangeness. So, you know, sometimes people might see a dark shadow or a form behind them or by them or over them um some people report kind of feeling you know feeling like someone's touched touched them on their back or you know like a handprint kind of thing um and obviously this is all manufactured because you're man you know the idea being it's it's a manufacturing a paranormal experience that isn't really paranormal because it's just your mind kind of um playing tricks i guess to some degree i mean obviously there's probably more a better scientific explanation than i can give but um but yeah, you 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 basically you know the whole whole idea was it was to manufacture a kind of a ghostly um, event, and and they do seem to you know there's you know there's about three or three or four people 
did it each night at the convention because obviously you've got to wait till it's really dark because it's an, it's, mm. it's kind of like a gazebo he's got so light comes in so if it's really dark yes wait to do it then but um but pretty much everyone that comes out reports something that's you know unusual you know they they see something around them or they see something in the mirror uh that's not them or they they disappear and their face completely changes into somebody else um and so it's quite a you know interesting kind of you know, experiment, I guess. But that's a yeah, a psychomantium. It sounds like the start of a Call of Cthulhu scenario. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it doesn't. It, we shouldn't take you too long to figure out where you could take this in the game. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that, that's that's me doing um, paranormal malarkey. What about you? Uh, you were you've been reading um, old uh, Mister King, haven't you? Oh well, I have. Yeah, actually, I've been. <clears throat> friend of mine recommended uh matt sanderson recommended desperation to me um a, a stephen king novel i've not read before um I've, every now and again like every couple of years i think you know what, i'll read a stephen king novel and pretty much you know they're all they're all good well all the ones i've read i've enjoyed i think um i guess I've re- i haven't read you know like all of his books by any means but i think i've read like 10 or a dozen and desperation started reading and it's it's a hard one to put down it's just it it just comes off the page real easy and i think it was written in the 90s maybe late 90s um so mobile phones are a thing but they don't work all that well out in the desert so it's it's set just kind of on this stretch of desert road in like nevada or arizona or somewhere down there uh and it's kind of hot you know deserty road and Basically, there's drivers going along the road, maybe like a couple going along. I think it starts off with there's there's a couple, uh, a man and a woman driving along. Um, and then there's like an RV and there's a guy on a motorbike. And each of these people end up encountering this same cop uh, who, road traffic cop or like town cop, pulls them over and starts talking to them. But then he'll sort of start saying some odd things and it'll, perhaps befriend them at first but then and as we meet these people as well king gives us their backstory uh so you know we'll have we'll have flashbacks to their life before or a lot of sort of coloring in if you like around their character and really for the first 200 pages that's i would say that's pretty much all that happens but the thing I like about reading King is he just does, for me, just a great job of bringing these characters to life, of, of sort of painting these characters and, and creating interesting characters. And I think for gaming, you know, uh, it's just great sort of setting up characters. Um, it is like, I don't know if you'd call it session zero or just creating characters and um, fleshing them out and giving them background and so on. But during the game, I think, you know, the, the mm. sort, of, sort of coming to the table, I suppose. And it makes you care about these characters. It makes you get, you get invested in these characters. And even though they're not people that I feel I necessarily know people like them, you, you kind of get a handle pretty quickly on, oh yeah, I can kind of, I know, well, it's not even that I know people like that, but I can envisage people like that. Yeah. Um, and they're fairly, I don't know if you'd say broad brush or what, but they just seem very relatable, the people. And they're not all necessarily likable by any means, but very relatable, I think. 
Uh, and so they get taken off in ones, twos, threes to this to this town called Desperation and locked up in the jail. <clears throat> and there they are locked up in the jail and there's this mad cop and he's killed like a couple of them. And as they've driven through town, they've seen that the town is like decimated and there's nobody else around and so on. And and there they are locked up in the jail and, and this, this cop, they can see he's like, <clears throat> excuse me like degenerating like bleeding and his eyes are weird and he, he seems to be like disintegrating almost and every now and again he'll say weird words you know tack and and he'll say shapla and stuff like this <laughs> and and at some point there's a great sentence at some point one of the um one of them sort of says uh a warning about not using the language of the dead and that's what he, that's what he speaks so in the language of the dead. Uh, right. like, don't oh. don't speak the language of the dead. It's not for us. Not for the living. Not for the yeah, living. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. That was I had to underline yeah. that that phrase. Yeah, 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 I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 the last king I read was revival. You know, the one that. Oh yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah. Mythosy kind of. Yeah. Home, although there's not really any mythos until the very very mm. final piece, and again, most of the book is is really a. Kind of character study or characters being you know interactions um and again that kind of you know um makes me think because obviously you you tells the story of this this guy from being a boy and his yeah kind of interactions and relationship with this preacher yeah and uh and in terms of like a backstory in terms of in gaming yeah i mean it really is good because it kind of it, it kind of as you're developing your character you kind of say what well, what you know what's what was one of the earliest things you remember in the in your kind of session zero and you kind of talk about this preacher and 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 you know how you got to know and hobbies and and, and kind of things and then you can build that up and and you know if you can i guess if you know the kind of campaign you're running or it's a pre-written one where you know who the the big bad guy at the end is trying to seed them in really early as, as, as not a bad person but just someone they know Mm. And 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 you kind of have these interactions through their life until it's revealed that actually you no, know, you you only half know this person, even though you've known them for thirty years. Um, it, it kind of had that kind of big payoff towards the end. So yeah, it, it um, yeah, King is very good at kind of delving into the kind of the the backstories of, of people in that way, isn't he? I think so. And like, I mean, there's a with a lot of King's stories, I mean, this is an easy criticism to make. Oh, they all have like a famous writer in, or they all have a struggling writer, or you know, and and again, that's in this book, Desperation, but you know, I don't care. And again, it's got the kid who I mean, he is still a kid. He's about, I think he's 11, 12. Um, David he's called, and he he prays to God and apparently is getting like replies. Um, and is almost apparently doing miracles as well. And we're getting flashbacks to him also talking to a preacher, a local preacher, that, you know, when he sort of started having encounters with God, this preacher sort of uh, took him in and uh, started uh, counseling him. Uh, so it's a similar um, relationship, perhaps, to what we see in Revival, I think. Yeah. So that's sure. it's a. But he's taking these things and recombining them in new ways. And thing is, those ingredients I always enjoy, so I don't really mind that he reuses them. It's like in cooking or whatever, you can use the same ingredients yeah. in a different way. It, no, absolutely, it's still tasty. Absolutely. So, 
but the I think the main thing I'm finding with this book, some books I've read over the last few years, it's been like I read a couple of pages and I think I'm going to put that down now. Right. No, I'll read sure. some more later. It's kind of hard work. Yeah. I don't know. You do find yourself to be a, a more kind of, um, you know, discerning in terms of not being prepared to put up with. If if you're not, if the book is not kind of grabbing you uh, or drawing you in it, 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 or annoying you, um, which often tends to be the case with me, <laughs> I'm much more ready to put it down now. Whereas back right. when I was younger, I would make myself read it to the end. Yeah. Um, but now I'm kind of less. I'm, I'm, but I, what? Um, I'm, I'm just. I've just been searching on the internet because I can't remember the name of it. But your story, uh, the King story about the the road and the cop kind of pulling people over, reminded me of a different novel entirely, um, one by Alan Dean Foster, uh, which is called To the Vanishing Point, um, because it's it, it's not it's not the same in any way. But it does have a road, and people and it's about this one family you're driving down this road in the middle of you know the desert america kind of thing and uh, they're pulled over and um basically they're pulled over and taken to the station and as that happens that slowly dawns on them obviously not straight away but they're actually been taken to hell and the police turn into these kind of horrible looking things and they're trying to you know escape from hell basically and um it's been a while since i read it but it, it really rung a bell with that and uh it's it's a uh, is alan dean foster is usually known for doing you know novel ties in of films mm. like alien and the thing and so but this is one of his own original kind of things so uh it's yeah. the reminds i yeah star wars that's yeah. right the, the the uh the written sequel that never happened that's right. yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> That's a, that's a topic for another time. Oh, uh, um, probably, probably. Well, we should probably um, say a little bit about Eldritch Stories uh, yeah. and encourage people to uh, take a listen to the because this is Eldritch Extras. This is where we, me and Mike, are just chatting about a few things we've done recently, and we do this on the off weeks between Eldritch Stories. And Eldritch Stories is the real um, is what this this uh, show is all about, really. It's the jam between the slices, the bread, is the, dry, it? Right. the dry slices of Eldritch extras, yeah. and you got the you got the juicy jam in the middle, which is the actual Eldritch stories. Right, that's that's <laughs> good. So okay, <laughs> so tell, uh, t- t- so tell us about Eldritch stories. So Eldritch stories are short stories that Mike and I have written, and we we read. So I read one of Mike's, Mike reads one of mine, and they're between five and ten minutes long. So they're quite short episodes, just a weird tale uh, each every two weeks. Uh, and so far, I think, well, if this if we put this episode out this week, I think we've got two out each. I think we've got four out. Yeah, so, so far. four four stories out so far. And yeah. you can find them on, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, or whatever podcasting app you use. If you just look up Frick, no, Mason and Fricker's Eldritch Stories, then you should be able to find it and subscribe. Well, I encourage you to do that. Uh, we also have a Facebook group under the same name, Mason and Fricker's Eldritch Stories. So please come along and join that. And we have a blog, again, under the same name. Well, eldritchstories.com, you'll find that. So uh, there's a bunch of ways to find us. Please give it a listen. And uh, and also, please let us know what you think. Because as a creator putting stuff out, 
we don't get that much feedback. And I know, you know, I'm involved with other projects like the good friends of Jackson Elias. We don't get that much feedback when we put out an episode. So you might think, oh, you know, they get lots of feedback. We don't. Um, and is that your experience of putting things out, Mike? You don't yeah, I mean, obviously, much... uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of role-playing game books and things like that, mm. you get the reviews and yeah. know, some of those reviews are just people who have read it through and given their kind of initial kind of impression you get some reviews a bit more in depth, like where they've actually played, you know, a campaign or adventure until you get a, a kind of much more in depth review. Um, but, um, and, and, you know, and those are a mixed bag. You know, some people like the stuff, some people don't. And, you know, some people like some bits of it, some people like, you know, other bits. Um, so, but that, which is great. But, um, what's really cool is, is when you only really tend to get it at conventions where you're on a booth and somebody will come to you and say, oh, I've just, we've just finished or we've just finished the final session of, you know, this particular campaign or scenario. And they actually give you a genuine kind of what they felt, how they, how they, and and so you get a real kind of taste of their enjoyment, hopefully, you know, or, you know, usually they've enjoyed it. So, um, <laughs> uh, so which is really, you know, that's really kind of cool feedback because obviously, you, you know, you can get a sense that they, the intention was for them to have a good time with the thing you wrote or or put together and they're telling you yes we did have a good time and by the way this is what happened and it's kind of a surprise because they've gone off in a slight different tangent but great mm. really unique to them but really amazing and fun to hear um so i kind of get that but uh, but as you say uh in terms of the eldritch stories and eldritch extras it would be really cool to um yeah, to be what people think of the stories, you know, whether whether you know that's a dud or that's a great one, or this made me think about this, or um, hey, you know, uh, when when are you putting out Zuti, um, you know, units for all the homes, and whatever, <laughs> whatever it may be, I don't know, but yeah, no, it'll be really cool. Are you going to hand make those, Mike? I, I'll hand make those in, right you know, with the special Excellent. special ingredients that nobody knows about, uh, and. Um, but yeah, I mean, whether it's leaving a you know a review on iTunes or something like that, or yeah, but even if you do post it, also post it to the Facebook group, and then because obviously that's more of a an interaction, and uh, other people can kind of pick up it, pick up on it as well, and comment. So yeah, any any feedback is always interesting. So uh, you know, if you love them, tell us. If you hate them, tell us. You know, it's always good to hear. So uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, and also if there's any. Um topics you'd like mike and i to discuss in eldritch extras also let us know about that too yeah i mean we talk about anything don't we? i mean we talk about you know the usual things you know films we've seen books or places we've been to we've done a you know a few talks about little gaming topics and things like that but if it's like specifically you know if there's some around gaming or elements of things that you want us to kind of you know give our opinions on or um, what we think of, you know, such and such a film, or can we recommend a film in the vein of such and such? Um, you know, they're all they're all good stuff, and uh, we're happy to uh, tell you what we think. <laughs> Even you may agree, you may disagree, but that, that's you know that's podcast for you, isn't it? So. There is. So that's cool. But uh, Paul, is, is there uh, anything else uh, before we sign off? No, I think that that, that pretty much covers it. I think. Well, wonderful. Well, as Paul has already given all the website details, I won't go through them again, but, you know, eldritchstories.com and the Mason and Frickers Eldritch Stories on Facebook and so forth. Just come and check us out. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Um, but with that said, um, there's only one thing left to say, Paul. 
And uh, what, what, what would that be? Keep it, Eldritch. <laughs>